Hello, and welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee. During my podcast, we explore various topics in the Bible with special attention paid to geography and history, and we dig deeper into biblical truths. I'm a Bible student, and I'm so grateful that you're coming along on this journey with me so we can learn together. You know, as with any opportunity to study scripture, start in prayer. Ask God for discernment. When you learn something new from this podcast or from any other source, research it further. Ask God to help you discern how you can possibly use and share the information. You know, honestly, my podcasts are merely appetizers. I hope to whet your appetite enough that you're going to want to dig deeper into the Bible. You know, the Bible is an awesome book. It was written by over 40 authors over a span of thousands of years. And it's not the kind of book that you can sit on a shelf and say, I've already read that. I've got it down. It's the kind of book you need to pick up and look at again and again and again. This is the second podcast in the series on prophets. The first in this series can be found on studentofthebible.com. As discussed in the first podcast on prophets, we learned that a prophet is a man or a woman called by God to bring specific messages to his people. Now, many people, me included, mistakenly thought that the major role of a prophet was to reveal events in the future, sort of like a fortune teller. But the Bible says the primary role of prophets was to call sinful, rebellious people to repentance. Think of John the Baptist. Now, he is actually called the last Old Testament prophet because he was the last prophet before Jesus entered his ministry. And recall that John called people to repent for their sins because the kingdom of heaven is near. And he said this in Matthew 3, 2. In the Old Testament, the prophet's primary purpose was that after they had experienced some radical encounter with God, they were commissioned by God to accuse people of idolatry or injustice, which meant they basically had abandoned their covenant that they had with God. And therefore, they were called for repentance or face the consequences. And the Bible often referred to the consequences as the day of the Lord. Now, I didn't count them, but someone did. And apparently, there's over 2,500 hundred prophecies in the Bible. And someone counted them. I didn't count them. But apparently, there's about 2,000 prophecies that have already been fulfilled through the creation of the nation of Israel and the fact that there still are people in Israel and the 
life, death, and resurrection of Christ, etc. So in a future podcast, I will explore some of the fulfillment of prophecy because I just think it would be so interesting. But what we're going to focus on today is how can we tell if a prophet is being truthful? And what does it mean to be a prophet? And are there still prophets today? So the point of prophecy, I think, is explained by Isaiah. So Isaiah was one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And in chapter 46, in verses 9 through 10, he says this, and this is God speaking to Isaiah. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. In other words, God occasionally will give prophets snippets of events to come so that we may know with certainty that God isn't making this stuff up. As he goes along, he knew the end from the beginning. As I explained in my Angels podcast, we're not his plan B. God knows exactly what is going to happen, and he does share some of his plans with us. And then we can decide whether we believe them or not. But either way, God reminds us his purpose will stand, and he will do all that he pleases. Some prophets were truly outliers of society, and they performed strange, attention-getting, symbolic stunts to convey God's message. And then other prophets were kings, like David, or government officials like Daniel. But both men and women were prophets. Sadly, for the most part, prophets were ignored until one of their prophecies came true and then a few of them actually started to get some love. Now, during the celebration of Pentecost, which if you're listening to this in early June, that was last Sunday, we celebrated Pentecost. Peter, during Pentecost, reminded the crowds of what an Old Testament prophet named Joel had predicted in 835 BC, around in there, so roughly 860 years before this Pentecost celebration that Peter was speaking at. And he quoted Joel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And he does this as Luke has recorded in Acts, chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. And this is what Peter quotes Joel as predicting. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male slaves and female slaves in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And 
this is uh, fulfilled on that Pentecost where Peter spoke because this Pentecost was celebrated 10 days after Jesus did his final ascension into heaven and the Holy Spirit came down and rested like flames on the heads of these apostles. Now, when you look at that Bible verse, notice how Joel said, men and women shall prophesy. The label in the Bible for a female prophet was often referred to as prophetess. So it would end in T-E-S-S. -S. And there's five women attributed towards being a prophetess in the Old Testament. And four of them are actually named. Miriam, who is Moses' older sister. Deborah, who is the judge. Huldah, and that's H-U-L-D-A-H. And then Noadiah, Noadiah. So Miriam claims the Lord has spoken through her. That's in Numbers chapter 12, verse 2. Deborah says to Barak, look, the Lord, the God of Israel, has commanded. And she says this in Judges chapter 4, verse 6. Huldah uses the typical prophetic introduction where she says, thus says the Lord God of Israel. And she says this in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 15. And then also Isaiah in chapter 8, verse 3, refers to the prophetess, but then he doesn't give her a name. Now, in the New Testament, Luke presents an old woman named Anna as a prophetess. And this story in Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38, takes place 40 days after Jesus was born. And we have Mary and Joseph, and they've brought the baby Jesus into the temple to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice. And this was the tradition that every firstborn son needed to be consecrated or offered to God. And so while they're there at the temple, you might recall the story, they encounter this old man named Simeon. And had this encounter with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit assured him that he would not die until he saw the Lord Christ and he did he saw the baby and proclaimed it and then Luke goes on to say there was also a prophetess Anna the daughter of Pinui of the tribe of Asher she was very old she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So this story in Luke has both Simeon and Anna empowered by the Holy Spirit and certain things were revealed to them. But now I ask, how can we discern if someone is a true prophet or a false prophet? Let's look into this a bit. What does the Bible say about discerning false from true prophecy? Well, it actually has a lot to say, which would lead us to believe 
it was quite a problem. Jeremiah in chapter 6 says that the declaration of peace and prosperity were a false prophecy. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? <laughs> if someone predicts peace and prosperity, they're lying. That's not what he meant. Uh, what he was saying in chapter 6, verse 13 through 14, is from the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as if it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. So in Jeremiah's day, the prophets, these false prophets, were not speaking God's truth. They were, in essence, trying to kind of poo-poo the seriousness of the situation in their message was intended to make people feel good about themselves and the situation for personal gain, as Jeremiah points out, even though at this time there was nothing to feel good about. I discussed this tendency in my previous podcast, Prophets Part One. The dislike of a prophet, such as Jeremiah, who is arrested for preaching doom and destruction, well, it reflects that he was not telling the people what they wanted to hear. In other words, the Bible says true prophets, they preach the message regardless of whether it's going to be popular or well-received. In other words, they're not speaking to receive personal gain. In fact, God often warned his prophets, look, no one's going to listen to you but I need you to give the message to the people anyway. As I reflect on that, I'm going to say that's actually one of the ways that I know this Bible is true. The terrible way that many of the prophets were treated could have been edited out. The ancient authors could have changed the narrative to reflect love and peace and acceptance of the messages it could have read, of course we knew they were telling the truth. And so we listened. We knew it was God speaking to us. And of course we changed our ways. <laughs> but they didn't. They didn't listen and they didn't change. And the Bible reflects this. And likewise, we don't listen and we don't change. And our current world reflects this, doesn't it? Moses, he was given direction by God that God was going to raise up a future prophet and that he, God, would put words in this prophet's mouth. This is in the Old Testament. This is in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verses 18 through 22. And this is what God is telling Moses. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. He's talking about Jesus. And I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who doesn't listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. 
But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. God continues, You may say to yourselves, How can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. So God told Moses that he would be appointing another prophet and that God himself would call into account those that didn't listen. But as for false prophets, he said one way to tell if they were not speaking the truth would be if the events did not take place, if what the prophets said did not come true. Remember, God never contradicts himself. If someone were to speak something contrary to the Bible, we know that prophet is false. Jeremiah again. Old Testament, chapter 14, verse 14. Then the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. Wow. Well, we're not done there. Jesus is recorded in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 23, also talking about false prophets. Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. I'm going to stop there. In other words, what is this prophet producing? If they minimize Christ, glorify themselves, they're false. They may talk the talk. But do they walk the walk? What fruit are they producing? Jesus then goes on. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. 
Then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Well, you can do a lot of religious stuff and not know Jesus. To know Jesus means you have an intimate relationship with him. He knows you and you know him. Do you know Jesus? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? If you say yes, then what does that look like? What fruit are you producing? We need to act, not just talk about it. John, in his letter, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, had this to say to help us discern false prophets. He says, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming, and even now is in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. How do we recognize a false prophet? It's important for us to know the word of God so we can pray for discernment. We need to know what the Bible says and what it does not say. Remember, the word of God is the word of God. The Bible is God breathed. Any prophet who denies the deity of Christ, any prophet who denies that Jesus came to earth, fully God, fully man, any prophet who speaks from the viewpoint of the world, according to John, is a false prophet. Any prophet who changes what the Bible says is a false prophet. So, at this point, you might be like me and ask, well, are there prophets today, or is this just sort of a Bible thing? Do we even have to really worry about this discernment? Well, not surprisingly, not all theologians agree as to whether we do have prophets today. So it's okay if you're asking that as well. I'm going to dig into this a little bit. And I hope that you enjoy this exploration. I'm going to 
quote from some specific sources so you'll know where I'm getting this information. And then as always, you need to pray for discernment. Now, those who believe the prophets ended with the birth of Christ, the Son of God, they look at the New Testament and one of the verses that they look to is Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. And this is what it says. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. In other words, prophets hold in common with the apostles the responsibility of delivering divinely revealed authoritative teaching, which they did. And then once God spoke finally through his son and those whom he appointed as his apostles, there's no special divine revelation until Christ returns. Reread that passage a few times and see if you also come to a similar conclusion. Those who feel that this says no new prophets then look to Paul in the New Testament in a letter that he wrote to Timothy. This is actually his second letter. So it's 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 through 17, and this is what Paul says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Those that say that there are no modern-day prophets point out that Paul didn't tell Timothy to look for new prophets and apostles, but instead to hold fast to what he already has been delivered. In other words, what's already been written down. So those that look to the two New Testament verses would say, look, God gave his church the prophets and the apostles, so we would have his inerrant, infallible word. And now that we have his word written down in the Bible, we don't need living prophets. And then further proof, for this particular belief is in Luke chapter 16, verse 16. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. And Jesus here was reiterating that all the prophets through John, again, John is really considered an Old Testament prophet. They were all pointing towards the Messiah, and Jesus was the 
fulfillment of this hope. And those that look to the scriptures feel that this period of the prophets is now closed. No new prophets can join this group. And they look to these scriptures and say these scriptures confirm it. Now, of course, there's others who say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're caught up with this idea that a prophet is someone who predicts the future, who can foresee what is going to come in the future, and that that isn't really what God meant by a prophet or by those God calls to be prophets. They will say, being a prophet has nothing to do with predicting the future. A prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. In that sense, a prophet is called to be one who speaks as God speaks, bringing the message of God into our world, into the human family, and into our lives. So I'm going to quote from a website called Modern Prophets, and I quote, We prophets of the New Testament have our office subordinated to Christ. Our prophecies do not independently carry an infallible and canonical status as do the words of the biblical prophets. We do not produce new revelation. Rather, we announce the gospel that is given, and we can never add to or subtract from that which is given by the Lord Christ. End quote. Backing up this claim biblically, they go on to say that the New Testament does refer to prophets in sort of this wider sense. And they look to Acts. Acts 13.1 mentions certain prophets at Antioch. Acts chapter 15.32 speaks of two prophets, one named Judas and one named Silas. Acts 11.28 and Acts 21.10 mention a prophet named Agabus and Ephesians. Chapter 3, verse 5 says, The mystery of the church has been revealed by the Holy Spirit to the apostles and the prophets. And then finally, Ephesians again. Chapter 4, verse 11 says, Prophets along with others holding various offices, have been given to the church for the equipping of saints. In other words, the New Testament continued to discuss prophets after Jesus ascended into heaven. Catholic Christians believe through baptism were called to be prophets. I'm going to quote from a sermon by Thomas Gimbleton, and it's called everyday prophets in our midst. And I quote, Prophets are not seers, those who see visions of future events. Prophets see injustice and immorality. Prophets see the innocent being abused, downtrodden, and killed. Prophets then cry out for justice, cry out for mercy, Cry out for compassion. Prophets call us to repent, to change the direction of our lives. Our role as baptized members of the body of Christ, to be a prophet as he called us to be. 
we must listen and reflect on, do we listen? Are we really trying to hear God's word? God's word that was proclaimed by the prophets who are in our midst today. Those who in some special way are proclaiming God's word and the radical teachings of Jesus. Are we listening? Then also, are we being the prophets we're called to be? I continue to quote. Most of us would not think of ourselves as going out and preaching, proclaiming God's word from the housetops, so to speak. But we can do it the way Mother Teresa did it, through our lives. We can be what we call everyday prophets. Now, like the Catholic counterparts, many Protestant pastors feel that because the role of a prophet is to call sinful, rebellious people into repentance, they feel, therefore, there are countless prophets in the church across the globe, and that many pastors in local churches are exercising their prophetic gifts as they call their congregation to repentance and to holiness. Mormons believe, and I quote from churchofjesuschrist.org. This is a quote from their site about what they feel about modern-day prophets. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we are blessed to be led by living prophets. Inspired men called to speak for the Lord as did Moses, Isaiah, Peter, Paul, Nephi, and Mormon. Nephi and Mormon are not in the Bible, but they are mentioned in the supplementary books of the Mormon faith. And then I continue to quote, and other prophets of the scriptures. We sustain the president of the church as prophet, seer, and revelator. The only person on earth who receives revelation to guide the entire church. We also sustain the counselors in the First Presidency and the members of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles as prophets, seers, and revelators. Like the prophets of old, prophets today testify of Jesus Christ and teach his gospel. They make known God's will and true character. They speak boldly and clearly, denouncing sin and warning of its consequences. At times, they may be inspired to prophesy of future events for our benefit. End quote. What's the bottom line? Well, I think as always, we should pray for wisdom and discernment. As Matthew in 5, 8 in the New Testament says, Heaven and earth will pass away. God's word will abide. Remember our cornerstone. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone. The principle that God's word is the only basis for divine authority. And think about it. There is a danger that once a congregation would see scripture as less than the final, complete, and fallible authority of faith and practice, it really opens itself up to 
theological chaos, doesn't it? Anyone could then claim to be speaking God's revelation and almost anything could be passed off as divine truth. We always, always, always need to use the Bible as our litmus test for what is true. Deuteronomy, again, this was God speaking to Moses. Chapter 4, verse 2. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. The very last book of the Bible, written by John. Revelation, chapter 22, verses 18 through 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. Paul saw prophecy as a gospel proclamation. And we know this is what we're called to do, to go forth and proclaim the good news. So understanding this, we're called, as I quoted in the Catholic baptismal promise, to be prophets, but perhaps in a different way than the Old Testament definition. We're not receiving new revelation from God, but we humbly need to go forth with God's message that's written in the Bible. We know God has spoken through the prophets. It's our job to remind the world what the prophets said and what the prophets saw, to see injustice and immorality, see the innocent being abused, seen the downtrodden, cry out for justice, cry out for mercy, cry out for compassion, called to repent, change the direction of our lives so that his kingdom can grow, calling all people back to Jesus. John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. But just like the prophets of old, we need to know not everyone is going to receive this message with open arms. Not everyone is going to listen. You know, we call it the good news, but the world is really threatened by good news. False prophets will change the good news to reflect the ways of the world. The Bible told us that. All roads lead to God. If it feels good, it must be good. There's no such thing as sin. So don't become a false prophet just because you don't want to offend someone. But how do we do this? I don't feel brave. I have no idea what to say or how to say it or where to say it or when to say it or who to say it to. Okay, know this. Number one, it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit, thank goodness, <laughs> who will equip you. Luke knew we would be a little worried about this. So he assures us in chapter 12, verses 11 through 12. 
when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For at that time, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you should say. But you remember, the only way the Holy Spirit's going to be able to help you is if you let him in. Always pray before you say. I'm going to end this podcast with the words again from that sermon by Thomas Gumbleton. I quote, All of us are called to be prophets. We hear the word of God. We hear Jesus proclaiming, Love one another as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this to lay down your life for your friend and even to love your enemies. Well, we've all heard that message. We see it lived out by others around us who have been prophets in our midst. I continue to quote. So today we must ask ourselves, are we going to understand more clearly that we're called to be a prophet, to follow Jesus the prophet? We must pray that God will give us the ability to proclaim God's word wherever we are, not necessarily and most often not in words, but just to proclaim God's way of love by the way we live. End quote. I'd like to leave you with a Bible verse. This is Micah 6, 8. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. Do what is right. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. This broadcast has been brought to you by Buck and Bear Productions. They just don't know it yet because they're sleeping, but I feel like maybe I should wake them and tell them. <laughs>